If you've got a Bible, let's go ahead and get it out. And uh, we're going to bounce around several spots in Scripture. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers have them. They'll bring you one if you'll just hold your hand up uh, to follow along with us. If you don't own one, you can keep that one. Or, or maybe you're just a slacker and you left yours at home, whichever. Uh, we'd love for you to be able to follow with us, uh, for real. Just, uh, just let them get you one. Uh, but uh, we'll go to, uh, I think it's Luke 19 here in just a few minutes. So if you want to go there, that's fine. I had it wrong in the first service. In fact, it's still wrong in my notes. Uh, so I'm going to have to make myself remember that it's Luke and not Matthew. Um, but um, uh, yeah, we've, been, we've started, just last week, we started this series called Misconceptions. Uh, and you could say misconceptions about following Jesus. And really, it's kind of honing in on statements that we hear people say, and, and, maybe, and maybe, you've heard, maybe you've heard somebody say this before or go, and they, they make a statement and they go, well, it's in the Bible somewhere. You know, you ever heard that statement? Well, you know that, and then, well, it's in the Bible somewhere, so you should just believe me, right? And so, you know, a good question to ask when somebody says it's in the Bible somewhere is, where is it in the Bible somewhere? Like, let's, I want to find that. I want to look that up and check it out and study it, see the context of the passage, you know, some of those kinds of things. And so, um, a lot of times people, you know, have adopted sayings that they think might be biblical sayings, and oftentimes they're not. Last week, we, uh, we tackled uh, the statement that God won't give you any more than you can handle. God won't give you any more than you can handle. Well, that, I mean, that sounds great. But it's not biblical. <laughs> God, God will give you more than you can handle. And the reason being is because he wants you to rely on him. He wants me to rely on him. He wants me to not be walking through life thinking that I've got everything taken care of. I mean, the, the second that I think that I can do this on my own, that's just it. I'm doing it on my own. I'm not, I'm not seeking him. He's no longer leading me. And some of that kind of stuff. And so uh, you can go back and listen to that if you want, if you want to on SoundCloud. But uh, today we're tackling yet another one of these things. And today it's, it's kind of a similar one. Uh, and I kind of felt like they should kind of be back to back. Uh, but today is this statement that at some point you've probably heard somebody make. And they've meant well by it. Or maybe you've made this statement before. And you thought it was biblical. And, and you meant well by it or whatever. But here's the statement. God helps those... Who help themselves? God helps those who help themselves. Now, I'll just go ahead and say, like, with that statement, if you really think about that statement, like, if God is only helping the people that are helping themselves, we're all jacked. I mean, let's just face it, because we're a bunch of stinking sinners who need a Savior. You know, I mean, I mean, that's just the truth of it. And so, you know, to, but to build on that, I, I felt like this was, worth, this was worth us fleshing out today and see what does Scripture say that might teach us differently than that thought that God only helps those or God helps those who helps themselves. Uh, this, this comes from the baggage of what we call legalism. Legalism. And legalism is one of those things that so many people have grown up in the church around, they don't even realize that they've got it going on. They don't even realize that they're struggling with it. So many people have taken their walk with Jesus and traded it in for this 
works idea, this works-based, well, I'm going to church enough, I'm trying to be nice to people, I'm trying to do the right things and all this. And, and, And what you hear there is you hear, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm doing. And folks, eventually that just wears us out. And, and we become zombie Christians who are wandering around, who are no longer effective for the kingdom of God. And why, why is that? Why is it that, why, why, do we, why do we end up there when we're trying to do the right things? Why do we end up there? It's a hard issue. It's a hard issue for us. At, at the very base of all of it, if, if our heart is bent toward the things of this world, or our heart is just about trying to do good things, and not follow Jesus, then we're jacked. And you say, well, Chris, I mean, but doing good things is following Jesus. Well, think about it for just a minute. Think about this with me. My, one of my daughters uh, has recently started playing soccer. And so I've been, I've been hanging out at the soccer field here lately in Pleasant View, which is, which is a, a new thing for me. I admit, I've, seen, I've seen many of you at the soccer field as well. And if, you, if you're not there yet because your kid's too little, whatever, you're probably going to end up there one day. It's just inevitable. Um, so we go, the, we go been going to the soccer field or whatever. Well, I, you know, I, I, we want to support our daughter. We love our daughter. I love her. I want to, you know, I got to go out there yesterday and, you know, get to see some of these parents like screaming at their little kids on the soccer field and stuff. You know, I kind of like want to like video, try to video some of it, make a, a highlight reel or whatever uh, of the parents, really, not the kids. Uh, and, but, um, you know, so, so out there, you know, I'm out there because I love London. Well, she loves soccer, so we're doing the soccer thing. Well, I'm there because I love her. I, I don't honestly, can't honestly imagine that otherwise that I would get up on a Saturday morning and go, hmm, I think I'd like to go watch some kids soccer today. That sounds nice. You know, and, and I'm nothing wrong with like, I, I, it's got nice, com- there's a nice kind of a community within the soccer stuff going on around here and stuff. I mean, I like all that, but, but I'm, not, I'm not waking up and going, man, I, let's go watch some kids soccer today. That's what we're going to I'm there because I love my daughter. If we were approaching our walk with the Lord in the vein of I'm doing these things out of love, that is the difference between the legalism and being led by Jesus. You see, if, if, we're, if we're doing the work, I mean, it's, it's not a bad thing to do good things, obviously. It's not a bad thing to do ministry. It's not a bad thing to serve. But if our heart gets to a place where we're doing it because we're supposed to, and not because of our love for Christ, we've, we've gotten it backwards. And, and I'm just going to tell you, you're going to get to a point where you're burned out. You're going to get to a point where you're just like, why am I doing this? I'm not growing in the Lord. I don't love this. And, and, it's, and it's because we've made it about something else. We've made it about us. We've made it about us. And, and, we, and, and, and we all fall into this at some point in time. It, it's so normal. Um, this statement, God helps those who help themselves. Let me give you a little history behind the statement before we jump into Scripture. The history behind the statement is, and I, you know, it's not often that you like take a statement and be able to like follow the history of it, uh, but we actually have some history of this thing. The history of this thing was it was made famous by Benjamin Franklin in 1736. He 
had this, he, he said this, in the Poor Richard's Almanac. Not the Bible, okay? <laughs> Poor Richard's Almanac, all right? Well, oddly enough, Ben Franklin actually wasn't the first person to pen this. We think that he got it from another guy named Algernon Sidney, who wrote it in 1698 in an article titled Discourses Concerning Government. Now, I'm telling you this because this could be really fun for you. Like the next time somebody says to you, you know, God only helps those who help themselves, you could say to them, actually, that's not true. Benjamin Franklin said that in 1736 in the Poor Richard's Almanac, and he's the one who made it famous, but it actually originated from Algernon Sidney in 1698 in a political article back then. And then they'd be like, what? <laughs> Just a little fun something for you. So, you know, we got the background of this. We know it's not in Scripture. Um, and we know that if God only helps the people who are helping themselves, then we're in trouble. Uh, because the truth is, is that God sometimes intervenes, and we need him to do this, intervenes in our lives when we need him, when we aren't even willing to help ourselves. Uh, which is an amazing thing to me. Matthew 19, uh, sorry, Luke 19.10. Luke 19.10. We're going to get it right this service. Luke 19.10. We've got this, we got this one verse. I'm sharing this one verse. And this verse comes at the end of a passage of Scripture where Jesus is kind of having this back and forth with a, with a guy named Zychus. Anybody remember Zychus? Remember that guy? Uh, if you grew up in church, you know, if you, if you were like a church kid, you heard Zychus because he was just one of those people that like they love to teach about in Sunday school. You just you get some Zykiss stories and he's you know, he's like a little guy, he's like short, and so there's a song that goes with Zykiss and it's Zykiss was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. Can you remember this? Sing it with me. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to sing. You're not singing. And then it goes into a narrative and it's like and Jesus said, Zykiss, come down from there, for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. I'd like to put like some beats behind that and like, you know, roll that. We could do that. Um, so the deal with Zykiss, and if you remember, I just taught a few weeks ago about tax collectors and how basically they were like the most hated people in culture. Tax collectors were awful. They were, like, they were like the mob coming to get their money, not like the government coming to get their money. But a tax collector would come, and let's just say you owed $50 in taxes or something, and the tax collector would come and say, well, you owe 150 this week. And you'd be like, what? But you couldn't do anything about it because basically if you didn't pay them, and what they were doing is they were going to go pay the government the 50 but then they were pocketing the 100 they were mostly rich, and it says Zykiss was rich. Um, you know, so, I mean, people hated them. But if you didn't pay them, they were coming with the boys, and they were going to rough you up. So there was nothing you could do about it. So Zykiss, being one of these people, strongly hated by everybody around him, I'm sure, Jesus goes to him, sees him in a crowd, and Zacchaeus actually goes to the, to the crowd where Jesus is, kind of wanting to see him, hear him a little bit, and that kind of thing, and then in the midst of all that, Jesus calls out to him and finds him, and he says to him, hey, we're going to your place, 
And when they get there, he begins to ask Jesus what it takes to follow him. And Jesus basically tells him, you need to get rid of all this stuff and you need to quit being uh, a loser and doing all these things that you're doing to cheat people basically and follow me, follow me, come on, let's go. And Zacchaeus says, okay, I'm going to follow you. And Jesus says these words to him. He says, salvation has come to this house today. You see, even even in that story, there is this little bit of truth of understanding that there is, at some point in life, we have to recognize that we're sinners. At some point, we have to recognize we can't do it on our own. It's not about helping ourselves. It's recognizing that we need a Savior. We have sin, and our sin deserves death. Uh, it, scripture teaches us that sin deserves death. That is the punishment for sin. It is death. We've all, we're all sinners. We've all sinned. And so we all deserve death. But God stepped in and he said, you know what? I'm going to send my son who is without sin to be the only person that could give their life that you might be free from your sin. That we might no longer be slaves to it and that we might be saved from it. That's, those are big statements. Big, big statements. So at the very end of Luke 10, our Luke 19.10, uh, we have this one verse, Luke 19.10, and it says this. This is at the end of the Zycus story, and it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. It does not say the Son of Man came to seek and save all of the people that got their junk together. Right? Right? I mean, and I, I mean, even this morning, I've already once this morning had this conversation with somebody in this room. They're not in this room now. They were earlier. Uh, that looked at me and said, I just really struggle with being good enough to be accepted by God. That is the point. We are lost. We have sin, and we need to be saved from it. Jesus came to save the lost. And maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you've never trusted in Jesus before. Maybe you've never even heard that. Maybe you never, or maybe you've never understood it that way. Maybe you're, maybe you're like the umpteen million people that I meet all the time that I get in these conversations with outside, especially outside of our church family here, uh, that I just end up in these conversations with them. And as they get to talking to me about religion, which is the way they usually put it, uh, they, they start in these conversations about like, but you know, I mean, how are you ever going to be good enough? How are you ever going to be good enough for God to really love you or to know that you're going to get to heaven or whatever it is? Folks, that's the legalism. And there are tons, I'm telling you, there are tons of people, tons of people that have grown up in the South who firmly believe that them having some relationship with God or eternity with him or whatever it is comes down to them being good enough? Good grief. That is not the gospel. The gospel is, is that we're sinners and we need a savior and his name is Jesus. And if we trust in him, if we believe in him, he is only, the only, the only one that is enough. And he is enough. Not Jesus plus I'm going to be a really good person now. 
okay? Like, the, the really good person stuff, like, yeah, obviously we're called to be a, a certain kind of people, but that flows out of the love that God has for us and out of him saving us and changing us, not out of the fact that, you know, God is, you know, expecting us to be perfect all of a sudden. We will never be perfect all of a sudden. That's just not the way that it works. God wants us to humble ourselves and repent of our sin and rely on Jesus alone. Here's another passage, Matthew 9. Matthew 9 and uh, verse 12. And I shared this passage, taught from this passage several weeks ago. There was no way I couldn't bring it back up. And I'm not going to completely teach the whole thing again. You can go back and check that out. But it says this in verse 12. It says, but when he heard it, he said, this is Jesus. When he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You hear that? I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of, there's several different passages in the Old Testament where we see uh, Isaiah and others where we see God like telling his people that he detests some of the things that they're doing. And if you notice, it, it's, it's things that if, if you're just reading it, you're kind of like, why does God detest that? It's talking about like, <clears throat> it's talking about offerings that they're bringing to God. It's talking about, it's talking about festivals that they're having to like celebrate God or whatever it is. And it's because God is saying to them, your heart's not right. You're making sacrifices that you don't want to make. I mean, you, you see the difference there. Like, that's, that's that I'm doing it because I'm supposed to. I'm going to give this offering, but man, I really, really don't want to give that offering. But we're going to give it because we're supposed to, you know? And that's that, that's that mentality and, and behind the heart of us when we get to making it about us and this world and not the love of God and what he's done for us. I mean, I, I go to the soccer field because I care for her and I love her. I want to see her play soccer. I don't wake up and go, you know, I just, I really hate soccer and I really don't want to go, but she's my daughter, so I guess we're going to go. I don't do that. I don't do that. That's not a thought for me. And before, I couldn't have told you that I really even cared about soccer. I'm a baseball guy. But I love her. Out of our love for God and who he is and what he's done for us, our lives can be changed. His love, when it hits us, changes us. Completely changes us. Our our. Our ideas, our, our thoughts, our um, the things that are important to us completely change when it is affected by the love in which God has shown us in our lives. Proverbs 28, 26 says this. It says, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but... He who walks in 
wisdom will be delivered. You think, think about that statement, God helps those who help themselves. That, that's, that is such a self-centered statement. It's such a self-centered statement that it's all about us. That like God will do something based upon if we're willing to always do what's right or something. God wants us to see that we need him. And he says, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. We, we don't have it all. We don't have it all within us, and we definitely don't have it all together. So the idea and the understanding that comes behind the gospel, it's not that God helps those who help themselves. It's that God helps those who can't help themselves. God helps those who can't help themselves. What did it say? It said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. But those who are sick need the physician, not the ones who are well. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You see, that's, that's, that's the theme of the gospel. It's not that like, oh man, I got my stuff together and then now I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go now. No, we'll never have our stuff together. I'm just, I'm just here to tell you. Like, it, it's just, we're just sinners. That's just part of it. But the beauty is, is that God still loves us despite all of that. God's love and care for us doesn't change with whether or not we've made church enough or not in the last few months or uh, if we've done enough nice things for people. You see, all of the things that we're called to do in this world, starting with being a light and bringing glory to God, all of those things, we can't do those things out of a I'm supposed to mentality because if we do, we've made it about something else. We've made it about trying to earn God's favor, earn God's love, earn something from other people, and we know that's way off. We know that that's not, that's not the heart of God at all. We know that. So, how are we supposed to do that stuff? We're supposed to do that stuff out of the love that God has had for us, where he has changed us and worked in our hearts and done an amazing thing in us. God wants to use those opportunities to make himself known. That's what he does. That's what he wants to do. Isaiah 25.4 says this. It says, For... You have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. You see, God is the stronghold for the needy. God is the stronghold for the poor. That is not a gospel of God who helps those who help themselves. That is a God who helps those who cannot help themselves. Satan's lie is that you are being responsible if it's all about helping yourself. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps, do work, get it done, check it off the list, feel good about yourself. But it's a lie. Because if we make it about those things, then we're trapping ourselves from allowing God to work and to lead us. 
He wants to lead us. But for him to lead us, we have to listen. We have to listen. It means prayer. It means spending time in his word. It means seeking him. Zykis, little tax collector dude. You know, I've got all kinds of images in my head of Zykis because of the felt boards growing up as a kid. I don't know about you. But, uh, and some of you are like, what's a felt board? Just go find an old Southern Baptist church and go into the basement where they teach kids and the pipes are leaking. You'll find one. And, uh, but no, you know, you got, you've got a picture of God loving somebody despite who they are. And even Zykis sought the Lord. He went and sought out God. He, God was moving in his life. God was moving his life. I think we forget that. I think we forget that when we're talking with and, and loving on people that God has put in our lives that we want to see them come to know the Lord. Folks, we need to be praying for those folks. We need to be praying that God would save them. We can't save them. Now, if it was about God only helps those who helps themselves, well then, yeah. We'd just save ourselves. We'd save ourselves, we'd just go saving everybody else too if that's what we really wanted to do, but that's not the way it works. God does the saving. Something for us to remember about ourselves is that our hearts are deceptive. I'll say that again. Our hearts are deceptive. But again, we're sinners, right? We know this. Jeremiah 17, Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says this. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. Well, that's who understands it. Our hearts will deceive us. You ever go in somebody's house, and I love making fun of people who have this on their wall, and this may be you, so don't get mad at me. Or if you get mad at me, blame it on Jesus, okay? But you ever go to somebody's house, and like up on the wall in the house, they've got, follow your heart. That sounds real nice, doesn't it? It's right up there with like, oh, bless them. And we know what that means. That means they're a hot mess. Bless them, you know? Follow, follow your heart is about the same as bless them, in my opinion, with like, you know, things we probably shouldn't say. Because <laughs> if we follow our heart, and I've, and I've been in counseling situations with, with married couples. I remember a married couple, part of our church, that, that years ago, they sat down in front of me, and, and she looked at me, and she said, my heart does not love him right now. And I looked at her, and I said, honey, that is a choice that you will make right now, is whether or not you will love him or not. Because if you follow your heart, if you follow your heart, it will deceive you at times. Because we are sinners. We need God to change our hearts. I want to read this to you. Romans 5, verse 6. One of my favorite passages in all Scripture. It says, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Back up at verse 6, says, while we were still weak, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ didn't die for those that got it figured out. Christ died for those that would trust in him to be the Savior.
that they need. I want to read this uh, quote from a guy named Brian uh, Brad Larson. He's a pastor. It says this. It says, The gospel aims the restless heart. And I think we all know that we have those. The gospel aims the restless heart on that which actually satisfies. It's a great statement. As a byproduct of beholding Jesus, we change. The real power to change rests in the nail-pierced hands of Jesus. So if we'll loosen our grip on improving our station in life and cling to him instead, we will find our hearts rejoicing as we become more like him. You see, if we're clinging to the things of this world, we are going to walk away every single time disappointed. But if we are clinging to the cross, we will walk away every single time remembering his grace. What an amazing grace it is. God helps those who can't help themselves. We need Jesus. And maybe you're here today and maybe you've never trusted in Jesus to be the one. Maybe you've gone to church for a long time, but you have never, you've never said, Jesus, be my Savior. Forgive me of my sin. You've never recognized, maybe before today, that you're a sinner, that you don't have it all together. Well, it's okay, because we're all there. We're all in it together. And the truth is, is that God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you, to take the death that we deserve for our sin he said, yeah, I'm going to send my son to take that death. Believe in me. Trust in me. Today, God wants to save you if that's where you are. He wants to give you a new life. And he can do it if you'll let him. Let's pray together. God, thank you for not making it about what we can do. God, thank you for not making it about how good we can be but God, instead about what you can do, despite who we are. Thank you, Lord, for the reminder of who you are and what you've done beyond all of our sin and all of the things that we have in our lives. God, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would lead us and that you would guide us as we walk, Lord, in accordance with what you've called us to do. God, I pray that we wouldn't do it in some legalistic way. God, I pray that we would seek you and that those things would come out of our hearts because you've changed our hearts. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Lord, I pray that you would seek and save the lost. Use us if you can to be a part of it. We ask this in your name. Amen.